In this episode of the Final Third Podcast, we talk about the next round of the Champions League and the CONCACAF Champions League as well. Of course, talking about the crazy El Clasico game that happened this Sunday. And of course, enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It's Monday. It's our news and predictions episode. My name is AJ Tabura. I'm one of your co-hosts, a fan of Minnesota United, West Ham United, and the U.S. national teams. And we won't be talking about West Ham United, even though... Actually, no, we will. We will, because they they uh, made, made the quarterfinals of the Europa League, so we will be talking about that. Uh, and we will be talking, in some senses, Minnesota United and the U.S., national team albeit very briefly for both of them but i'm also joined by my other co-host jack yes hello uh i'm jack i'm a fan of minnesota united uh atalanta who we are going to talk about slightly in the in in the same sense as west ham uh chelsea we're going to talk about them a fan of minneapolis city i am going to talk about them briefly in a little bit and a fan of the u.s and french national team we're not going to talk about France, but I am going to talk about one thing, and I'm repping the kit of the legend, the man, <laughs> the myth, the legend, Olivier Giroud, getting a call up again. He's proven himself. I posted a very angry tweet in French uh, calling out Didier Deschamps for leaving him out, and I guess he heard, you know, uh, ever, everything is okay now, and uh, he is back in the squad because he deserves to be there. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I'm happy for you, Jack, even if it's not a competitive games that I suppose France are playing. Still important with the, the come up towards the World Cup. Uh, you mentioned Minneapolis City. I, I, I'm also related in this story because it's going to be a cool thing that we're both going to. But tell the listeners, especially those who live in Minnesota, because we have a, a fair amount of those. What's going on with Minneapolis City? Yes, well, Minneapolis City, you know, we've had people from the club on before and they are in the first round of the U.S. Open Cup this Wednesday uh, at 7 p.m. There's two ways to watch that. Obviously, it's on ESPN+, Plus, so you should definitely watch that one because it is the standout match of the first round. Des Moines Menace, current USL League 2 champions against Minneapolis City, newcomers to USL League 2, current NPSL North champions. So, you know, it, it's a very good matchup, so definitely catch it on ESPN Plus if you're able to on Wednesday, this upcoming Wednesday, March 23rd. But if you are in the cities, you should come down to 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. Minneapolis City is hosting a watch party there from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. You know, there's going to be food trucks, uh, yeah. drinks there. You know, if, if you're if you're of age and, uh, and, you, and, you, and you want that, uh, they're going to... As far as I know, they're going to be hosting a futures showcase. So their youth teams are going to play a little bit of a, a scrimmage yeah. there on the field. So, uh, hey, it's going to be a good, fun-filled night of soccer. And if if you're around and available at that time, definitely make it down to 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. AJ and I are both going to be there. Mm -hmm. Super pumped for it. Yeah, my girlfriend's going to be there. We're going to be hanging out. It's just, especially if you're, you're a University of Minnesota student, because... Again, there are quite a few listeners from there. Uh, it's right in the neighborhood, in the Marcy Holmes neighborhood. So definitely go check that out. But because it's on Wednesday, Jack, that's when we usually film, or not film, record uh, our deep dive episode. So it means that we won't have a traditional deep dive episode. However, since I do have some time 
this week, I probably will record a short 20-minute, 15-minute preview of the U.S. men's national team window, either Tuesday or Wednesday before the actual game. And Jack, before we get to the rest of the episode, I do want to ask a little bit about the U.S. men's national team because we did see a roster come out for our upcoming games against Mexico away, Panama at home, and Costa Rica away. I just want to, I, I want to hear your uh, initial thoughts because we have no Dest. He got injured. McKenney, mm-hmm. he's injured. Turner, yep. he's injured. Aronson, mm-hmm. he got injured, but it looks like he'll still be coming. I don't know oh, okay. what that's all about. Uh, and Brooks and Scally are, I, I think, the other two significant coaches scratches other than Richards. But I think Richards is also he's still injured. injured. He's still yeah. injured, yes. <laughs> uh, but on the bright side, Stefan and Reyna are in the fold. Stefan had a really good, I won't say really good. He had a good game against Southampton FA Cup. Reyna has been playing regularly now for Dortmund. I want to hear Went the full 90 minutes today. Mm-hmm. I want to hear your f- full thoughts on. Those two players coming in uh, and all the players being omitted and what you think about the roster as a whole. Uh, I I will say Scally being left out makes no sense. Uh, George Bellow was called in instead of, I believe it was Dest being replaced yes. for that one. Uh, I don't know why you call it Bellow over Scally. Uh, Bellow is a good player, Yes. But Scali has been playing a little bit better, I think, for Mönchengladbach than mm-hmm. uh, than Bello has been playing for Bielefeld. So uh, I would have chosen Scali to go in, but uh, you know, I I still think Bello is a good player. Brooks, though, being left out, no, bad, bad choice. <laughs> bad, bad, uh, okay. bad choice. Uh, there's so many weird things in that that I'm sure you'll talk about. Uh, but like the inclusion of some of the center backs on there, like James Sands who barely plays for uh, in, in Scotland right now and the omission of other U S center backs that play a lot more often. And to be honest, a lot better yeah. than some of the other ones that have been like, called up. Uh, Cameron Carter Vickers. Who exactly. Plays yep. Opposite of uh, James Sands on the other uh, premier Scottish team Celtic. So I don't know. You're right. Right. I, I think the major question marks are in the defense. Uh, overall, the, the, in my head, the back line that I'm imagining of Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman, and DeAndre Edlin, that's a fine uh, back line right there, but you're it's, right. It's still mostly our first choice back line. So. Yeah. I, I, I'd honestly hot, hot take right at the bat before we even get to the episode. I, I would take <laughs> probably those two center backs right now over John Brooks, but I, I would like to see at least him in the fray, maybe Joe Scally in the fray too, even though I, I do think George Bellow is good along with Sam Vines and all the other uh, possible fullbacks we could have called up. I do really like all the other uh, inclusions. Christian Roldan is the major question mark in the midfield, but even him still is serviceable to good as a, as a midfielder. He's been good lately for Seattle. You know, he set up uh, a goal today for Seattle. I was decent in the CONCACAF Champions League. So he's been good. Legette's out as well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, the fact that Legette's out tells you all you need to know about where he is, even though, to be fair, he also has been playing pretty good for the New England Revolution. But uh, I'm not going to get mad over 
let's be honest, of a fringe player who's probably going to get see some minutes, but not too much. When you still have the likes of Kellen Costa, Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, Gianluca Busio, and Luca Della Torre, who are still very good midfielders who will be among the fray for the starters. And you have the forwards who, even though Brendan Aronson is injured, you still have Pulisic, who we thought might have been injured when he went down. That was, with a, that was worrying. An apparent <laughs> hamstring injury. I did see the replays of that. That was kind of scary. But we have Paul Ariola, who is on form from FC Dallas. Uh, same with Jesus Ferreira, scored a hat-trick. Jordan Peefock, Jack's hair player, very much on form. Ricardo Pepe, not so much on form, but, you know, it's good to have him there. Uh, then you have Tim Weah, of course, Jordan Morris, of course. Uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, Weah, who got a red card this past weekend. But still, like, very, very positive players in there. Should, and I say should, be enough to cause a scene here in the World Cup qualifying. Uh, if I had to suggest a player to uh, be a replacement player for Aronson or whoever, I would say Jordi Mihailovic. I've always been a fan of his. Conrad, I'll be honest, I think as of right now is a little overrated, so I would take Jordi Mihailovic. He's also in the area, so I think that is who I would take there. Uh, but I'll go more in-depth on how we should line up uh, which players we should sub in and which players we should not have play at all this window coming out on Wednesday night or Thursday morning, whenever I decide to release it. Uh, but Jack, with the U.S. men's national team uh, corner, kind of uh, coming back for a second, let's talk about some of the biggest news stories in the soccer world. As always, follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show or to our website, FinalThirdShow.com. If you want to hear more of our takes, we had uh, Jack post a take today, got some traction, maybe some negative traction. We'll talk a little bit about that. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, but definitely Jack us out there. Let's start off with, you know, as always, one of the bigger news stories here, uh, which is the Champions League draw that happened this past week. We had uh, the semifinals wrap-up, or the quarter. No, the round of 16 wrap-up. Yes, I'm all over the you place. Go. You got it. You got it there. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about uh, CONCACAF Champions League, getting ahead of myself. Uh, we had the round of 16 uh, wrap-up. And w what a round of 16 it was. A lot of crazy games, including the PSG game that we have already talked about. But Jack, I want to hear from the draws that we see so far, because we have left in the fray, Chelsea, City, Villarreal, Benfica, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich, and Liverpool. Which ones stick out to you? Which ones do you think um, do you think can continue on their quest to get that Champions League? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. The bracket, one side looks a lot more interesting than the other one. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Like the Benfica-Liverpool one, cool. Villarreal versus Bayern, fine. Uh, but those ones feel more one-sided than the others. You know, yes, Benfica beat Ajax, and yes, Villarreal beat Juventus, but again, against Liverpool and Bayern, that's going to be tougher tasks for right. both of them. The other side, both seem very much so more evenly matched. Chelsea versus Real Madrid is the most balanced draw in the entire competition. And it's not, and it's not just uh, bias as a Chelsea fan. That is legitimately in this quarterfinal the most the the most balanced draw both of these teams you feel like could go through 
And they've played they played each other in last year's Champions League as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes, especially as Chelsea's form is go is on the way up. And Real Madrid's has been. Well, we'll talk about how it's been lately. <laughs> and uh, on the other side uh, of the this bracket, you know, the same side as Chelsea, Real Madrid, Manchester City versus Atletico Madrid, I think is actually really interesting and potentially more even than some people are thinking it might be. I know a really? lot of people. I know a lot of people are thinking Manchester City are going to blow Atletico Madrid out of the water. I'm not completely sure of that because if I've noticed one thing about watching City this season, the sides that have frustrated the mo- the most are teams that can effectively employ a low block. And um, uh, talking about low blocks, uh, Atletico Madrid is kind of the kings of the low block and hit on the counter. You know, they got frustrated against Crystal Palace with that draw uh, just a few weeks ago. So I I don't know. I think it could be a very interesting one, especially given Pep Guardiola's tendency is sometimes overthinking some of those matches. So and, you know, if overthinking benefits anyone, it's definitely Diego Simeone in this in this uh, in this matchup. But I'm excited for some of these. I also, you know, I, I was happy to see Villarreal take out Juventus. I feel like Bayern's going to be too much of a match for them. Uh, so in terms of predictions for those, I'm going to say, or did you want me to hold off on the predictions if you wanted to add something first? Uh, I, the only thing I have to add really is the fact that I agree with uh, Chelsea and Real Madrid being the most interesting of the the matchups. I, I, I'm i going to push back on the Letico Madrid and Man City. I okay. think that... If it's one thing that Atletico Madrid has been this season, it's been a little disappointing. Yes, they are on a pretty good win streak right now, but they they won the they won the league last year, right? And mm-hmm. it's not been that same form. If this was last season when you had Luis Suarez and everyone performing up to snuff, I would be a lot more confident. But I, I think that Man City is going to be in the mood to win this Champions League. And if it's one thing that they're going to be doing, it's going to be focusing their energy on winning the one thing that they haven't. And even though Pep Guardiola is known to overcomplicate things, when you look pound for pound, I think that the overall quality of Manchester City will see through Atletico Madrid, especially when there has been a little bit of season, a large-scale season uh, form disparity between the two. Uh, but I, I think that if I'm looking at the the other the other side of the bracket, Villarreal might be might cause something. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if they win the home leg or something. Because yeah, they they could do something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Benfica, I'm a little less concerned with if I'm if I'm a if I'm a Liverpool fan, but if I'm a Bayern Munich fan, you know, got to stay steadfast through that. But Jack. You're talking about predictions. I'm guessing you're going to go pretty stock on most of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I I think uh, Liverpool versus Benfica. I think Liverpool are going to win that one. Uh, Chelsea versus Real Madrid. I'm going for Chelsea to win that one. Obviously, you know, yeah. regardless of what I actually thought, I, I would go. I would go for <laughs> Chelsea. But I also think they are better than Real Madrid in general. Uh, and then for the other ones, I think Man City versus Atletico 
goes to Penns and Man City take it. Okay. I, Interesting. I, I, I still think they, they, I still think they'll probably win it, but I will say Man City's form over the past month has not been the best. You know, they've picked up, they've picked up four wins, uh, and one uh, one loss and two draws, not impressive performances for a lot of those. The only impressive one uh, was against Man City or Man United. My bad. Uh, and then Atletico have won all of their last five. They've only they've only dropped two points out of their last seven. So I don't know. It seems like Atletico could be hitting form right at the right time. Villarreal versus Bayern. I. I feel like this is like the one that that is the most ripe for an upset, but I'm still going to go for Bayern Munich. Okay, Uh, because I did remember how painfully inconsistent uh, Bayern have been this season. So I don't don't know. It it could it could be an upset, but I feel like Bayern still have enough to get past Villarreal. Mm -hmm. Well, 538 agrees with with us for three of those Manchester City, Liverpool, Bayern Munich are the most likely to make the semis and because of that they are most likely to win the whole thing chelsea and real madrid according to 538 and their statistical model is still in favor of chelsea 59 percent to 41 percent i am gonna go with real madrid especially if especially if and when uh, kareem benzema comes into form keep in mind hey he's now the highest scoring french player of all time no 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 he's not oh uh, yeah not, for, not, for, for oh I, okay for all oh over yeah, all yeah, yeah, yeah. okay i yeah, was he, about to say no no Giroud almost has that you can't take that away from him no, yet no, no, no. <laughs> he, he overtook i think that thierry Henry. okay and okay. and we saw the lack of benzema on in full force today in in el clasico and i think if if he's back i i think it's a lot closer than 59 41 it might be 50 50 mm-hmm just because of how good he is and how, you know, unpredictable the season can get in the Champions League. So mm. I'm going to go with Madrid going through, Real Madrid going through to face uh, City because we actually do know who is going to be going on to the semifinals. It's the winner of City and Atletico Madrid versus the winner of Chelsea and Real Madrid. And in the other semifinal, Benfica and Liverpool, their winner faces the winner of Villarreal and Bayern Munich. So, Jack, it looks like, except for Chelsea, we have the same semifinalists. So who is, do you think, from that is going to make the final? Uh, I'm going to go Bayern and Chelsea. Okay. That, that's what I'm going for. Uh, you know, I, I honestly think Chelsea versus Manchester City, both of the times we've played against them this season, we've lost them, but they've been very, very close. And I feel like over two legs, we have a decent chance of beating them. Mm-hmm. Uh and then for Bayern versus Liverpool, I, I don't know. It, it really depends because uh, Trent and Salah could both be out for a little bit of time. I'm not sure how long, but uh, and we, we also saw against Nottingham Forest today that they're not fantastic without those players. Uh, yes, they were able to win that game, but they were very much a shred of what they usually are. Uh and plus, you know what? It's been 10 years since the Bayern versus Chelsea final. Let's let's do it again. Uh, <laughs> same yeah. results, ideally. <laughs> mm, all right. All right. 
Well, I I think I'm gonna go with City versus Liverpool in the finals. So City, oh, but that's boring. City, <laughs> I, I, I I think I think it'd be very fun. Uh, because another be, all English final. Oh. I, I want it, and I think that if it come, if I think if it comes down to City versus Real and Bayern versus Liverpool, w- one of the two English teams is gonna drop. Uh, whether it's Liverpool or or City, I don't know. But seeing a City versus Liverpool final would be great. Because they're playing each other in the FA Cup semifinal. Is that correct? Yes. Something like that. And they're also going down to the wire with the league. So to see potentially three competitions where they like destroy each other would be very fun. It would be also very fun to see if one of them beats the other in every single one. And so I, 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 think, I think to cap off the season and the Liverpool... Uh, Manchester City narrative it has to come down to the Champions League and even if I don't think it's going to be the case I want it because that would be so much drama and as a neutral uh, I'd love to see those two two fan bases absolutely implode on each other I I can't tell you how much I'm hoping for Benfica and Atletico (laughs) to upset them both because I think it would be the funniest thing uh because honestly, if that happens, I don't care if Chelsea lose to Real Madrid. If that happens, then fine. No English teams. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. All right. All right. Well, I also hope for that. I, I hope for maximum chaos, and that includes Benfica uh, winning it all. I suppose that would be that would be the story of the century potentially. Yes, it, it would. Lie. It would. All right. Let's talk about some Europa League, Jack. We have. The quarterfinals of the Europa League, where two of our teams are currently competing. So, of these four matchups, we have RB Leipzig versus Atalanta. RB Leipzig, of course, got the walk over uh, Spartak Moscow due to the ongoing Russian-Ukrainian uh, war. So, they're facing Atalanta, Jack's team. We also have Eintracht Frankfurt going against a little-known team known as Barcelona in the Europa League. West Ham United. Little known facing, in the Europa League, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Little known. Hasn't been there in quite a while. Uh, in the third match, we have West Ham United versus uh, uh, Lyon uh, from France. And lastly, we have Braga versus Rangers. Uh, Jack, which one of those sticks out? I'm guessing you're going to ch- pick one in particular. Well, I, I also, I, besides bias, yet again, this is also the most exciting matchup on paper. Uh, RB Leipzig versus Atalanta is probably maybe not the the only even matchup here but I think it's by far the most exciting one you know RB Leipzig and Atalanta have both been good high attacking sides recently and so that is an exciting prospect to see them go against each other they've also been marked uh, both of them by a little bit of inconsistency perhaps Leipzig has been a little bit better recently than Atalanta but uh, still very exciting stuff, I think, between these two sides. Uh, I, I'm very excited to see how that all goes down. I'll also say that West Ham versus Leon seems pretty even on paper as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leon have been, they, they've dropped off a little bit recently, but they also are capable of really good results. Uh, and West Ham, again, kind of a similar story. Uh, Dropped off a little bit recently, but also capable of very good results, as we saw against Sevilla when they when they right. came back to beat the Europa League Kings, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, I think both of those are really exciting. Uh, I apologize to Rangers and Braga fans. <laughs> I'm not as excited about that one. 
Uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, but just compared to the other three, it, it just seems like the <laughs> least exciting, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, if anything, Rangers got an easier draw. No offense to Braga fans, but yeah, you know, I I, I think if I'm going to predict the winners, I'd go Barcelona, and I'll, I'll go with RB Leipzig, West Ham, and Rangers. If I'm being honest, I I'm going to go with Barcelona. Uh, I'm going to go with Rangers, Atalanta, and I think West Ham have enough to to do it. Okay. I, I'm very skeptical about it based off of the most recent game that we saw today. But the, the you know, most it, recent it, game that came three days after we went 120 minutes against Sevilla. Yeah, that, that's the other thing about it. So, I mean, I who knows? Who knows? I mean, who knows? Still, still beat Sevilla. So I think West Ham do have enough yeah. to do it. I, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to change my answer. I'll go with Atalanta because I really want to see the, the West Ham Atalanta final because. <laughs> It would be it would be fun. I I I think that's I think the 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 Twitter live feed of us tweeting would be the most toxic we'd ever be. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, probably yeah. Just uh, <laughs> well, Jack. How about a uh, conference league? I I have two uh two matchups there that I think are quite interesting. I think hmm. I think Leicester versus PSV is the obvious one because I think those are the two most high-powered uh, powerhouses, I want to say, uh, going in the Conference League. Maybe are, are better than uh, the, the pedigree of the Conference League, but I think that's still interesting to see there. I will say the one I'm actually most uh, happy for is Bodo Glimt versus Roma. Yeah, Bodo Glimt yep. being uh, the most recent champions of the, the, the Norway League. And I think it's really interesting because Bodo, where they play, is a town in northern Norway in the Arctic Circle with only 52,000 people. And if they just happen to win the first ever conference league, I think that would be quite, quite the narrative. Jack, any, anything else stand out to you from those? I mean, it's also awesome because these two teams faced off in the group stage. That's and true. you might remember, Bodo Glimt beat Roma 6-1 to one at home. And Roma true. was only able to manage a draw when they were at home. So I, I feel like this is a really exciting matchup just because of the context behind that. Uh, and honestly, I saw some Roma fans freaking out over that draw because uh, honestly, playing up in the Arctic Circle, uh, not ideal. Uh, definitely not an ideal place to be playing. Yeah, especially when it's still probably going to be cold in early April. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, but... I yeah, I mean that that side of the bracket is way more exciting than I I again, sorry to any fans of of teams on the other side, but they're just not as exciting on that other side of it, unfortunately. Yes. But yeah, uh, Feyenoord versus Slavia Prague. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh Marseille versus uh PAOK uh, from Greece. I think that's also going to be an interesting matchup, but I think if I'm being honest, I think the winner is going to come out of the other side of the bracket with Leicester City, PSV, Bodo Glimt, and Roma. I, I just think overall that side of the bracket's a little bit more powerful. So, yeah. All right. Well, Jack, we talked about Champions League, Europa, and Conference League. We're wrapping things up with, with those competitions. Really excited to see where those things land us. 
But we still are going to talk a little bit about MLS and the CONCACAF Champions League, as well as, of course, El Clasico. Jack, before we get to that, let's talk about some trivia because it's about that time. Yes. Talk about, we're, you know, I talk, said about we would you know, talk about Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League, MLS. Let's talk about MLS just as a whole before we get to that. Jack, with uh, your trivia section, I want you to explain to everybody how this works. Yeah, well, as always, I've prepared five trivia questions. The topic this week is MLS Monthly, you know? The MLS season, about a month in. Uh, they're not going to be playing next week anyway, so yeah, about, about a month in. So uh, we'll, we're going to call this the trivia section of the first month of MLS. I'm planning on doing this at least once a month with different questions, hopefully, throughout that, just so we can, you know... Talk about the stats of MLS, even if we're not talking about MLS as a whole throughout the episode. Uh, but I've picked a variety of, of topics, you know, some individual player stuff, some league-wide stats, and some team-based stats. So, AJ, are you ready to get started with this? I'm ready, but I'm scared. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's start out with the first one, which is how many hat tricks have been scored in the first four weeks? Mm. And, uh, you know, a after that, there is a bonus point on this one. And you, ha you have to name all of the scorers of those hat tricks. But you also get a point for getting the total number correct. Okay. Oh, man. I feel like I'm not going to get this. Okay. So I, I know Jesus Ferreira, of course, scored a hat trick this past uh, week. Uh, I know Carlos Vela scored a hat trick uh, in the very first week. My mind is telling me to pick... Lucas Zellerayon as another one, but I feel like that's incorrect. Um, other multiple scores. I mean, before to, to, uh, before we record, you mentioned Brandon Vasquez of FC Cincinnati. I feel like it'd be a bigger deal if FC Cincinnati got a hat trick. So I'm not gonna go with him. <laughs> ooh, ooh, Lewis Morgan of New York Red Bulls scored one, I believe, in the second week. And. I, I'm, I'm now I don't know if Lucas Elrond actually scored a hat trick. I know for sure those three. So I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to go with the three that I mentioned, Lewis Morgan, Carlos Vela and uh, Jesus Ferreira. And I'm going to go with three hat tricks. That is correct. Yes. Oh, and you got go. all three. Correct. Let's uh, go. I was wondering when you were going to get to Lewis Morgan, because yeah. I remember you raving about that, that one. So mm -hmm. I uh, Lucas Zellerion, yes, he has had a multiple goal game, but not a hat trick. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you got two points from the Let's first go. question. So That's there crazy. There are, and a, as, a, as a note, there are eight points possible in this trivia section. So okay. uh, 25% guaranteed. That's so, not bad already. Let's go. Yeah. All right. So next question. How many teams have not lost in the first four games? Hmm. Well, Minnesota United's won, and all that. Uh, Austin FC started hot, they lost. Chicago, fire, they haven't lost because they've only conceded one goal. They conceded one to score in Kansas City. Philadelphia also has not lost, I know for a fact. Uh, in the West, in the West, RSL, because they have 10 points. Ooh, I'm doing the math now. <laughs> RSL have 10 points because I remember you tweeting it like, oh, I really hope Nashville win because it would mean that RSL wouldn't be on top and we'd be the sole, uh, the sole controllers of the West. So I know they haven't lost. 
uh, are, are we counting like at the time recordings? I know LAFC are right now undefeated, but they play later on. At the time of recording, yes. Okay. Because oh, yeah. we can't see into the future. Yes. Yeah. Okay. How, how many has that been? Four. Uh, you have named five. Five. Okay. All right. I'm. I'm gonna go with. I, I'm sure I'm missing one. Uh, I'll, I'll go with five. I'll go with five teams undefeated. That is incorrect. You oh. are missing one. I, I uh, honestly couldn't tell you what the other one is. It's the Columbus Crew. That's right. That's uh, right. But actually, the bonus point, like without with, I, I was going to say it after. Uh, I, I for the bonus point, I was going to say name five of the six. Like okay. legitimately, oh, that's what. It, so you did. <laughs> so you you do still get a point from that. Okay. Uh, but it is six teams that have been undefeated in the first four games. Okay. So right, three, three out of four, 75% so far. That's fine. Uh, let's go on to the next one, and that is which team has underperformed their XG the most? So we're talking goals scored minus XG. Mm, that's that's a tough one. I know I you're a big fan of XG stats, so I have to I know, but I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm trying to think of like the team that has scored the least goals but probably should be scoring more. I know Montreal, they've been conceding a lot. I don't know about scoring. <laughs> uh, who else? FC Cincinnati have gotten off on an okay start XG-wise. Ooh, it, it might... It might be Minnesota. I, fe- I, feel, I feel like our finishing isn't great, and I feel like if our finishing would be better, we'd be scoring a lot more. However... I'm going to go, oh man, I really feel like I should be going Minnesota, but I'm going to go with Vancouver because as far as I know, they have not been doing so well finishing wise. I'm going to go with Vancouver here. Uh, that's a that's a good guess. Vancouver, they have created an XG of 2.6 uh-huh. and they have scored one goal. So they've underperformed okay. oh, wow. by oh, 1.6. Right. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, a decent shout. They've uh, scored four. Can, uh, underperformed by 1.6. They've created uh-huh. 5.6 there's, there's one more that I'm forgetting, isn't it? There is a massive one. LA Galaxy is oh. the one that is underperformed by far the most. And by they've actually much? underperformed more than the amount of goals they've scored. They have generated wow. an XG of 8.2, That's but crazy. have scored just four goals. Uh, wow. So they are not doing great in finishing-wise. Uh it's it, it's been very rough for them. Let's just say. Okay. All right. All right. So, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. I mean, Vancouver, Vancouver, and Minnesota, both decent shouts, but it Man. is the LA Galaxy that are underperforming All right. by All a right. long shot. Uh, so that that was a tougher question. Uh, let's go. These last two are also kind of tough, and for this one, I'm going to give you a range that you can get in uh, okay. for this one because uh, asking you to get the precise number of this is. Uh, a bit too much. So how many cards, so red and yellow <laughs> cards combined, have been distributed this season so far? First four match, match weeks, how many cards have there been? And uh, I actually need to quick update this because uh, there's, a, there's another game that happened. But All right, and, okay. and this, is, yep. this is at the time of recording, so the, uh, I'm, I don't even know what, what the next match is going to be coming up today. Uh, uh, LAFC versus Vancouver is the next okay, one coming so up. Th- that's before uh, that match kicks off. So, so uh, what's the range that I, sh- I should be shooting? Oh, yeah, for? that's right. I, I should I should tell you that twenty five on either side. Okay, I've, I've wow. It, yeah, it, it's that. 
it's that uh, hard to guess. Okay. I mean, you you you're you're you know some statistics, so you know that that means it's a pretty. Uh, I'm being pretty generous with it for okay. the for the sure. So red cards, I I can't imagine there's too much. I know Dax McCarty had a crazy one this past week. He basically kicked like the RSL player right in the chest. That was insane. So there, at least one, <laughs> at least one. Uh, but I'm gonna go with like red cards. Uh, I'm not sure about yellow cards yet, but red cards, I'll, I'll go with ten plus the yellow cards, which probably gonna be a lot more. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with 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 seventy. No way. There can't. There's like there's like there's like fifteen matches pretty much like every single week. Fourteen. Yeah. Fourteen. fourteen. Yeah. Fourteen times the four that we've had already. So if I'm if I'm guessing that there's going to be a yellow card twice a match, and that might be conservative guess, then I'll, I'll have to go for something crazy. I'm going to go with 140 yellow plus red cards. 140 yellow plus red cards. Yes, and that, that's a conservative guess. I'm sure there's a lot more. And, and I know for red cards you said 10, right? Yeah. Uh, there have been 11 red cards, so okay. you're pretty close on that. Okay, close. Uh, for yellow cards, you said basically 130 yellow cards. Yeah, yeah. Um, there have been 268. Uh, <laughs> there, have that. Been, there have been a lot of cards given out. Uh, and uh, I, I was shocked when I was going through this. I was like, okay, you know, it's probably going to be like 150 or so. Uh, nope, definitely blew that away. So 279 cards in total. So, 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 so that, that, that's a card every, every two matches plus. Or, or like there's two cards every match. That's, that's basically what it's saying. More than. Yeah. I, or, well, there's been. Hold on. Let, let, let's briefly. Oh, we, we know math. We know math. Briefly do the math. 14 times 4, uh, 56, two se- uh, 279 divided by the 56. About five every match, actually. Okay. Wow. Five cards every match. So referees have, oh been, bit, uh, have been getting a bit uh, card happy, maybe, potentially. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, All right. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, that, I'm that, kind of falling <laughs> off here, Jack. I'll be honest. Yeah, uh, you, you've got three three points out of uh, out of a few possible, but you, you you've got you've got a chance here to get two because this one has a bonus question okay. associated with it. So, what two teams have had the most goals scored in games total? So, the way to put this is goals scored plus goals against. So. Teams that have had the most goals in games, basically. Oh, man. Well, Maybe I, you could say most exciting, perhaps? Most exciting? Uh, most goals for plus goals against is yes. how probably should define that. And then well, the bonus point, by the way, is how many is it, how, what is the total number of that? Can I ask if they are currently tied? Uh, yes, the, these two teams are both tied for most. Okay. So that, that's, why, that's why it's two Ooh, teams. I really want to say San Jose. I really want to say San Jose, but I'm I'm not. I'm not okay. because before Minnesota United played San Jose, I went to check their uh like the standings and like their stats. And the fact that we only beat them by one goal this past week has to mean that that number uh, like is not the top compared to others. I'm gonna go with Atlanta United on one, because I know that 
they start off really hot and then start conceding a lot. They conceded against Colorado 3-0 to zero a while back. Do I know the number? No. Uh, <laughs> do I know the other team? Probably not. I don't actually know. I'm ooh, I'm gonna go with Montreal because they have conceded a lot. I don't know how many goals they scored. I know they conceded a lot. I don't know the total numbers of goals for goals against. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with fifteen goals for plus goals against for Atlanta and Montreal. I'm I'm tempted to give you the bonus point for it, even Why? though was because, I close? Was I close? Yeah, it's sixteen, and you got both of the teams correct. Let's go! So yeah, I knew it. Uh, I knew it. Atlanta United has eight goals scored and eight goals against, uh, and Montreal five goals scored and eleven against. So okay. I I think I'll, I think I'll give you the bonus point for it okay. just because it, it's a tougher question within the range within the range. Yeah, it, it's it's close enough. So you know, five out of eight. Okay. Uh, over 50%. That's that, that I will take that 100%. Great, great. All right, Jack. Well, let's talk about uh, exactly 50%. And you know what that is? The CONCACAF Champions League and the chance that an MLS team is in the final. That is, that's true. Well, it's, it's, it's a 100% chance that, that a team's in the I final. I am bad. But... <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. A 50% chance of them winning, maybe? Yes. Uh, uh, more or less. Either they do or they don't. <laughs> yeah. But but fifty percent is the amount of MLS teams that were in the quarterfinals that have made the semifinals of the Concacaf Champions League, and we haven't really talked about the Concacaf Champions League, which is a shame because we did a lot last uh, season, and I think Concacaf Champions League is interesting. I went to one of the games, uh, Seattle versus Club Leon, and updates about that. For one, we're guaranteed to have an MLS team in the final because Seattle beat Club Leon four to one to make it to the semi, where they'll face NYCFC, who beat uh, a Guatemalan team, Comuna Casiones. On the other side of the bracket, we had New England Revolution choke a 3-0 lead. Conceded Embarrassingly. Three, yeah, concede three goals to Pumas away from home, lost on penalties, Pumas go ahead. Uh, CF Montreal, you know, you don't expect them to do too well, especially on the form that they are. They didn't there do bad any. either. They didn't do honestly. bad. They didn't really have too many chances, if at, at all, uh, against Cruz Azul away from home. But you know, they they scored a goal. They kept it one to one, almost could have tied it uh, against Cruz Azul there. Obviously, they didn't, and Cruz Azul and Pumas will be playing on the other side of the bracket. So, can M- can an MLS team after? I want to say this This will be the fifth or sixth time that we send a team to the final. Can they finally win this iteration of the Champions League? Jack, st- statistical mastermind that you are, what are the chances that it's happening? Um, I mean, theoretically, as I said, 50%. <laughs> theoretically, like, uh, you know, uh, if you consider them to be even. But I, I'd say it's more like 40% probably. All I right, will so- say... Okay. Both of these teams that were that MLS is sending to the final, either of them are both probably the two strongest teams yeah. in MLS. Like I, the only one that might be even a little bit stronger is probably LAFC currently. Fair, but Seattle and NYCFC both good teams, both great players on the teams. Uh, that being said, Pumas and Cruz Azul. Uh, We've seen what they can do to MLS teams, specifically Pumas. Uh, So that makes it a little bit scary. And 
Uh, there is one big factor that gives Liga MX the advantage pretty much every time against MLS. And AJ, do you have a guess as to what that is? Uh, that gives Liga MX... Uh... Are we talking about like in actual game or overall in the leagues? Just overall in the leagues. Uh, probably the spending power between Liga MX and MLS. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, because MLS has this thing called the salary cap. It's real neat unless you think about co- uh, competition. Yes. And then you realize that it's awful for your teams in in uh, in com- continental competition because you know Cruz Azul and Pumas they can spend as much money as they physically can to get a deep bench of players. Seattle, NYCFC, they have good depth, but they can't spend unlimited amounts of money to get it. And that does put them at a disadvantage against uh, Liga MX teams. That's what puts every MLS team at a disadvantage against Liga MX teams. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it tough to like automatically be like, yeah, I believe in the MLS teams to get it done. Huh. Uh, but is... I. The the final, I know it's a, a, a one-off thing. It's at a neutral venue, right? It's not... Oh, I, I completely forgot about that. I, uh, I, I, want, I want to say no. <laughs> because uh, if it's not in a neutral venue and NYCFC go through and host, how hilarious would it be if the CONCACAF Champions League final is played in Yankee Stadium? <laughs> I mean... Well, no, it, it, I mean, it, or it might be played in Connecticut, right? That's Connecticut, where Red Bull Arena, uh, anywhere. I, I just looked it up because I, I, I was correct. It is going to be two legs. The the the, oh, the, final, in the final, the finalist, which has the best performances in the previous rounds, will host the second leg. Okay. So, I don't know. What uh, if the it, MLS teams just like decided to uh, to be like, hey? Do you want to just give us the best performance? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of light collusion, maybe. Honestly, honestly, wouldn't it be mad? Wouldn't it be mad? Uh, but Jack, I one hundred percent agree, and this has been the talking point for the past ten years: the fact that our salary cap and the way that we spend here in America really, really lessens our chances on winning the Concap Champions League because we might have some very good high-level players, designated players, TAM players, players that are game changers but when it comes to a two-legged tournament affair you can't just rely on those top level players you need those you know players six through eleven on your team they need to be up to snuff as well and league mx their bench players are paid as much as our starters and so just there the floor for them is a lot higher than ours not only that but they are used to playing at, at these these high levels at at this you know at this intense atmosphere these not great field conditions they they are absolutely hardened uh whether they are mexican players or players from abroad they are trained in order to handle this and that's why i think mls teams beyond just the the salary cap factor struggle especially away from home because every team in, in, in this tournament in the quarterfinals, I should say, lost their away leg except for Seattle. And the difference is that Seattle has a better bench. Obed Vargas, who lit it up even today against Austin FC, 16-year-olds, still really good, great depth right there. And 
despite them losing Rui Diaz, losing Lodero, you still have Freddie Montero, their their top goal scorer in MLS, being able to lead the line for them. That that is good depth, even if it won't necessarily win them uh, the league or the championship. It could win them this tournament. Uh, NYCFC had to go on away goals to win against a Guatemalan team. No offense to uh, any you know Gu- Guatemalan fans out there, but when you go up, what, what, what was it? How much did they went? Three to one. You expect them to be able to put that away. They lost four to two. Had to go on away goals, and Revs already mentioned they absolutely choked that away. But MLS away from home, Jack. In the last twenty games, I'll let you guess how many wins. MLS has had in Mexico. Go ahead. Uh, um, I'm going to go with, out of 20 games, I'm going to go yes. with two. 10%. Two? You are yeah. very, very close. It is three wins out of 20. Oh, okay. Wow. How, how, how grand. 15%. Yeah. Three wins, two draws, and 15 losses. I'm going to let you guess. So obviously we've been outscored. I'm going to let you guess by how many goals we've been outscored. I'm going to go with 40. 40, it might be over. 40, it, it is over. Uh, okay. They scored 40 uh, against MLS teams, League MX teams. Okay. Uh, we, have, uh, we, as an MLS, have scored 13, so it's a 27-goal deficit. That's still not good. <laughs> still not great. And going back through the history of this iteration of the CONCACAF Champions League, I saw someone on Reddit go through it. MLS has never won a penalty shootout. Most God. heartbreaking, uh, I, I think, will have to be like the Toronto FC one, uh, where Michael Bradley skied it. Obviously, uh, there's been there's been a few others, including this most recent Revs loss. But these are a and few Colorado. things that just make it hard for MLS teams to win away. They don't have the money to spend on benches. They they're not allowed to. They have the money, I should say. They're just not allowed to spend it. And they these players are just not used to playing in in the heat in with the, the atmosphere being so hostile against them being in the case of the mexico city teams being so far up above sea level that it's just physically laboring to even breathe so those are a couple of the reasons why i think that they struggle do i think that they'll win maybe maybe not I, i'll also go with a 50 50 chance jack Given all the things that we've talked about, if you had to pick one of the two, NYC, FC, or Seattle, which do you think has a better chance of getting a result and winning this tournament? Seattle. Seattle? I yeah. would agree 100%. I mean, they were the only team to get a positive result away from home against a, against a relatively good Mexican team. Like, Club Leon, not, not a bad team by any measure. Uh I just trust them a lot more to to go through. NYCFC, again, no offense to Comunicaciones, but that was it, that was kind of embarrassing. Yeah, Four to two, you know, they're they're the reigning MLS champs, right? Mm-hmm. They should put up a better fight than that. Yeah. Like, sure, they might be thinking, "Oh yeah, we have a comfortable lead." Leads can become uncomfortable very quick, yes. as we've seen. In a lot of instances, so it, I, I think that, you know, uh, I, I would much rather see Seattle go through uh, just because I think they have the better chance. And they have the better atmosphere. See, I, what, what I think happened here 
is that NYCFC got cursed ever since they put out that tiny championship banner in Yankee <laughs> Stadium. That's what, that's what really caused them to suck recently. God, it makes me so sad. Like, that's honestly the size of, like, a flag in my room. It, it yeah, looks like. literally. <laughs> like, when, when, when the camera zoomed out, you could really see, like, how small it is compared to the stadium. Like, like they, they legitimately have ads bigger than that. They have ad boards yep. bigger than their flag. It's it's embarrassing. Jack, you know what else is embarrassing other than MLS in Champions League? It's uh, Real Madrid on uh, the March 20th game, El Clasico against Barcelona, where they got absolutely sucker punched by a Barcelona team that has not one El Clasico in, mind you, three years. Jack, yeah. this was this was quite the wild ride, wasn't it? Oh yeah, uh, I, I I I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of expecting Barcelona to do well in this game, or at least better than they have usually. I thought so too. Yeah, but uh, I wasn't expecting the result we got. Let's just say, uh, and AJ, what is the result that we got? It is four to zero, Barcelona versus Real Madrid. That means that Xavi is only the third Barcelona coach to ever have led a team to a four-goal win against their heated rivals, Real Madrid. That is a crazy, crazy stat. Just three months, or yeah, four months into his reign as a Barcelona coach. It's crazy. Yeah, and let, let's let's remember, this wasn't at Camp Nou. No, This no. was at the Bernabeu. Like, exactly. They, they beat them. They pulverized them at home. Like, honestly, it was it was an embarrassing performance from Real Madrid. And honestly. and what's crazy, it was four to zero. I definitely could have seen it being a five to zero, being a six to zero, being like like when when City or Liverpool absolutely destroyed United this season, being like one of those performances in a way it is because these are two teams that are supposedly be evenly matched. But Barcelona, looking at the stats, 2.96 xg to 0.85 from real madrid where it really becomes crazy is that barcelona had seven big chances to real madrid's zero i feel like i can count i can't even count the amount of times on my hand where barcelona had a, a break and it seemed like they had all the ability to score a lot of that was obama yang he was absolutely world-class uh case in point jack why don't we talk about some of the goals here uh, Aubameyang, who, uh, you know, came from Arsenal, was not great at all for Arsenal in this last couple of seasons. Really, really disappointing. Uh, decided to really show up for Barcelona these last couple of games. I, 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 off the top of my head, I can't tell you how many goals he's had for uh, Barcelona. Seven. Uh, seven in seven, seven matches. In, in, in just La Liga. In just La Liga. Yeah. That is... That is, that's amazing numbers. Yeah, for, exactly. For a player that you would you would not expect to be that good, but when he has the support, he's very good. He opens up the scoring in the 29th minute. For a long time, I was like, okay, it's going to be even. It might be a one to zero win to either side. He opens it up. Uh, it's a Dembele cross. He heads it in, right past Courtois, and you know that that is a, a perfect start and a perfect finish. From Obama Yang, a great cross from Dembele. And not nine minutes later, Ronald Araujo gets another header off, I, I want to say, a corner uh, from uh, yep. Dembele. Yep. 
yeah, and it's it's two to zero. It, it, it's it's a it's a great great header. Uh, slips it right past uh, Courtois. Maybe Courtois completely should have done unmarked. A bit better. Yeah, yeah, he was completely. The defense should have done better in that yeah. one. That's that's uh, true. I'm I'm putting a lot of pressure on Courtois. It, it it's got to be the defense that at least helps our goalkeeper out by. I I think it's Alaba who loses him if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, Alaba did not have a, a he, great game. He did not. All. No. Yeah, uh, but that makes it so it's two to zero, uh, going into the the halftime break. And Jack, why don't you, I want you to talk about the the, the next two scores that, that made it four to zero because they just so happen to be Barcelona's newest signings. Yeah. Uh, so second goal comes two minutes after halftime. You know, you you go out out of this like thinking, okay, it's been halftime. You know, Real Madrid had a chance to to regroup. It, it might not. It they're gonna maybe make a comeback in this second half. Nope. Not quite. Uh, Obama Yang has a great assist for uh, Ferran Torres to uh, to uh, just run inside a, of the channel and puts it top right corner. Uh, Courtois, absolutely no chance with that. No, he, uh, he wasn't getting that. Yeah, it, it was really good. <laughs> this was like a minute after Torres like missed a complete sitter. Yeah. Like, Torres, I feel like for Barcelona, has had the most amount of like... Uh, XG, like, like the, the most amount of missed chances, like highest XG to lowest amount of goals. His positioning has always been really good. If he can figure out that finishing like he did obviously today, then I think that he's going to be very good for Barcelona for years to come because he's really, really young. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, for for the second one, it's the it's the reverse. Uh, exactly. Four minutes later, Ferran Torres sets up sets up Obama originally. This gets overturned for offside, goes to VAR, and it gets counted anyway. Uh, you know, Obama uh, Obama Yang get, uh, gets the ball from Torres, uh, who was just right in line with, uh, I think it was Nacho for Real Madrid, uh, mm-hmm. who he was alongside with, and just clip, clips the strike over Courtois. He, he gets a really nice little chip over, and... It was really good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, Real Madrid, not happy with it, but still Barcelona within 50 minutes, four goal lead. Uh, yeah, that is impressive stuff. And uh, I I also a crazy stat with that. Obama Yang was the first player to be directly involved in three goals in the wow. first appearance in El Clasico in all competitions. Wow. So first time he played in in honestly like. I I don't think it's it's wrong to say the biggest uh, single game of soccer in the world, right? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Like the, this is this is the biggest one in that level of competition. Doing that that is impressive, and you know yeah. the entire front three was just really good today. Yeah, Dembele had two assists. Torres had the goal and assist, and Aubameyang, of course, had the brace and the assist. Just an absolute masterclass. It looked like they were playing against complete schoolboys. Alaba, as we mentioned, did not have a great game. Militao, his uh, center-back partner, not a great game either. Uh, but where I was left most confused, and I think who had the worst day, was Carlo Ancelotti, who I think is a great manager. A lot of Real Madrid uh, fans are calling for his head, kind of understandably, but also I don't know who's going to replace him. 
But when you look at his decisions making, Rodrigo starting him, not great at finishing. Vinicius Jr., of course, you're gonna you're gonna you know start him. But they didn't have a striker. Kareem Benzema was injured, and we saw his absence in full effect. I think this would be a very different game if he was playing. They didn't play with a number nine, and instead electing to play Modric a little bit more advanced. And what a failure that was. Again, yeah. looking at the big chances, looking at the XG, Barcelona absolutely destroyed Real Madrid in their own home. And whether it's, I don't know, Pochettino, Eric Ten Hag, any other world-class uh, managers, Conte, who knows? I-, I think that it's not out of the realm of possibility that Carlo Ancelotti is gone by the off-season or come the off-season. But again, like, at the very least, Real Madrid has to be doing better than this. Wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know Luka Jovic hasn't been great for Real Madrid, right? But surely it's better to just have someone up there who can help, like, control the play a little bit more than it is to have... I See, I like Modric, right? But he is, however you slice it, an aging midfielder who is not... You know, the tallest person in the world that you're expecting to go up and play as the role of like a false nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't seem like the right decision there. And, you know, I, I think what you should have done from the start is start a front three of Vinicius Asensio or Asensio, uh, however you pronounce him, his name, yeah. and then Luka Jovic. Yes, Luka Jovic hasn't been lights out by any means, but I feel like he would have done better in this situation. And then instead of Kroos, put Modric uh, back there. You know, that, that's what I personally would have done. But again, hindsight is twenty twenty, and uh, it's, it's easy to pick apart these things after the game, but yeah. not as easy to see it before. And it's not like Real Madrid were on bad form and this is like, like some kind of larger trend. I mean... Just a couple weeks ago, they were beating PSG 3-1. to This is kind of a blip. They're still definitely going to win the league. However, it kind of goes to show that Benzema is kind of that crux of the attack. And without him, if Carlo Ancelotti does not line his players up well, it's just not going to end well. The opposite can be said about Xavi, who has absolutely turned around Barcelona. I remember saying right when he got hired, I was like, this is not the solution to you know the financial issues that barcelona are still facing Mm -hmm. but i I went through my notes and i I remember highlighting like this is a project they're getting these young players they're not going to win the league they're not going to uh, win copa del rey but in the long term i can see him building towards something really really cool if they continue with this kind of game plan and this is chavi's statement game a four to zero win against the, your most heated rivals in the biggest game of soccer. I literally blocked off my my afternoon just to watch this game. That is that is absolutely huge, and maybe this is a little bit preemptive, but I think I can say that Barcelona, in terms of on the field success, are back, not back to where they were in 2015, but they're back to where you expect them to be pre-Messi leaving. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying with that. And I was very harsh on the Xavi hire 
I was not convinced with it, but I've got I've got to say credit where it's due. He he's yeah. done decently well. You know, he could he have done better in some places. You know, Copa del Rey probably yeah. probably could have done better in other competitions. But you know, this is a statement win, and I I can't fault him for that. Yeah, and he's you, done a lot can't. better. You know, when yeah. he took over, Barcelona were like what in tenth place. Yeah. Painfully mid table. Yeah, exactly. And he's brought them up to third, uh, almost second. Like he he's very close to that. Uh, so credit credit where credit is due. He has done pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, pr- pretty good might be an understatement. Considering that they oh, yeah. haven't lost a game since that Copa del Rey match that you mentioned. And obviously, this is what happens when you have a coach that has a vision, that has the player support, and maybe mo- most importantly, with Xavi, has meaningful experience. Yes, it was in the Saudi Arabian Saudi League. League or, yep. No, Qatari League, sorry. It was definitely oh, wait, the was Qatari it? League. Oh, I yeah. want to say it's the Qatari League. I, I, can't, I, I can't quite remember, but <laughs> he had experience. It, yeah, it, but he had experience leading a, 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 an attacking side. And I, I think that that's, a, very important, and B, translated well to this Barcelona side. Before this, under Ronald Koeman, they were not scoring goals. They, they were not creating a lot. They were, they were winning sometimes 1-0 to zero against teams that you would expect them to be able to beat very handedly, like Espanyol. And now, in six matches since he's come, they have won 4-0, to zero, won by four goals. That is a complete turnaround. The culture change is pretty pretty palpable and it's good that you have a sporting director his name uh uh does not come to me right now but their sport barcelona sporting director has been playing a little bit frugally right now with with his signings but it's been very very smart he's been getting young players who have a lot of upside and also getting a lot of players to cut down on wages and moving players around offloading some so to make the contracts work which is what you need to see when you're in an absolute financial crisis if they can continue this this frugality of buying players that are young that are willing to meld around their contract to to make uh the money work and also have a head coach that can really get the most out of players that you wouldn't really expect to be world beaters like i I was decently high with Aubameyang, Torres, Adama Traore coming in. I wasn't expecting them to be this changing, to be uh, this plug and play, but they have been. And so I'm, I'll leave it at that. Barcelona are not going to win the Champions League next season, I don't think. I no, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't even think that it's going to be a sure thing that they're going to be an out-and-out contender for La Liga. Real Madrid still might have that unlock. But both fi- off the field and on the field, I'm liking the direction they were going. Would you say it the same? Yeah, I, I will say that I think they can contend for La Liga next season. Uh, because if you think about That's true, the, the start that Ronald Koeman gave them, uh, compare that to what Xavi could have given them potentially, right? That's, uh, yeah, that's true. I, I think that they are a lot closer than you think. Okay, all right. I, I, uh, that, that's true right now. Like Barcelona with a game in hand are only 12 points behind Real Madrid. Now that you think about it, like imagine if 
they won against Espanol, for example, or they did, or you know, beat the teams that they sh- they probably should have beaten at the beginning of the year. That might have completely changed the season. So, good job yeah, I- Barcelona. Good job Aubameyang. That's great to see. Yeah, I mean, you just you just look at some of these. They tied to Granada, tied to Cadiz. Could have won that. Could have uh, won that. Yep, and uh, they lost to Atletico Madrid. That that was uh, with uh, an interim manager, though. But you know, you take those results, right? Uh, that's plus one, two, three, four, five, eight points. <laughs> yeah, or seven points. Either way, like uh, that's. That's pretty good. You know, you could, I I think that they're going to be contenders. Okay. All right. Well, let's give some predictions on the current contenders of some of these leagues before we head out. Starting with Serie A, just this past weekend, AC Milan took a three-point lead over Napoli. Inter Milan, who won the league last year, still very much in the fray of things, are six points back with a game in hand. And... You know, I think those are the three teams that are going to be uh, in contention to win the Scudetto this year. And I remember in the midseason preview two months ago, we were talking about who we think is going to win. We both said Inter Milan because they had the momentum, they had the players, they had, they had the know-how. They had a decent gap, too. Yeah. And that's kind of went away. AC Milan beat Inter Milan. Inter Milan dropped some points, I believe, like Napoli in February, and it's not look too good for them. They are now, of course, six points behind. Still have a chance to cut down that down to three. But Shaq, as we revisit Serie A, who do you think is going to win this very tight race here? I'm going AC Milan. Okay. Uh, I I think you know they're they're back up to where they should be. You know they were dormant for like almost a decade. Yeah, definitely. And and they're finally starting to regain some form. Uh, Olivier Giroud has been great. You know, I have to name drop him. Of course. Uh, but Raphael Leao, also very, very good for them. Uh, both of those two players have eight goals and three assists each. Uh, and then Zlatan Ibrahimovic, even though he's been injured lately, also been good. Teo Hernandez, Mike Mignon was a fantastic signing. This team is really coming together. And uh, I, I feel like people kind of slept on them because they got bounced from the Champions League this season. But yeah. I feel like that's unfair to them because they have been very good in Serie A this season. It, it seems like that was where their focus was all the time. And I don't blame them for that because they have shown what they're made of. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with AC Milan too for a variety of different reasons. I think the players have, even if they're not going to be standout contenders every single year, They've had a lot of key players really show up. Uh, you mentioned a lot. I'm going to go with uh, Frank Kessie as well, uh, oh, Tonali, yeah. and yeah. especially, especially Tamori, uh, Fikayo Tamori. Very, very good in, in uh, the defense there. Should have been in the England squad. <laughs> honestly, honestly. Should have been. I, uh, I I play Foodle, which is uh, the... The, the Wordle ver- the the soccer version of Wordle and I remember h- him being one of them a couple of days back and I was like oh yeah right he's English hmm yeah <laughs> yeah and, and him and you know you mentioned Mike Mignon very very good for this AC Milan team who while they have conceded more than Napoli and Inter I think those two players have definitely kept them in games more often 
And I think when you look at the rest of their schedule, they have three hard games coming up. They play Atalanta and Fiorentina, both at home, though, and Lazio away. The rest are against bottom half teams. I went to look at the other two contenders. Napoli play Atalanta, Fiorentina, and Roma, all in the next three match days, along with ninth place Tassuolo, who could cause a scene. Inter play Juve, Verona, and Roma. So even though it is pretty even, you, you could look at that as being kind of a, a similar strength of schedule. But the fact is that that three-point gap exists. And for those of you who don't know, the way that Serie A does tiebreakers is that when a team is on level points, it goes to head-to-head record, which AC Milan owns. They have, they have the head-to-head record above Napoli and Inter. So if, it, if they're tied to points at all, Milan will win. So I think statistically, it's more likely AC Milan win. Will I put that my house on it? No, because I know what, the, what Inter and Napoli are capable of. But it could be AC Milan's year. I don't even remember the last time they won it. It's been quite a long time, and I've been following Syria for a while. I mean, it's definitely before Juve's reign of terror. So right, yeah. yeah. Uh, so before 2011, I think. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's been quite a while. Uh, let's talk about two teams that have seen a lot of success. So who cares if they win? I'm just kidding. Uh, Premier League, Liverpool are now just one point behind City after. Uh, Palace, of all teams, holds City goalless, and Liverpool tidily dispatches to Arsenal 2-0 in this past week. This is a very exciting title race all of a sudden. I remember in the mid-season review, we were like, ah, City's going to run away with this. Uh, this sucks. I hate, I hate the Premier League. It's a Farmers League. They play now on Sunday, April 10th. That should be the decider right there. So, Jack... Not just who's going to win that match, because, you know, anything could happen, but who do you think is going to win the Premier League? Do you think Liverpool can complete the comeback, or do you think City is just too powerful, maybe? I still think City are going to win it. That's uh, I The reason <laughs> why is they play uh, Liverpool at home. That's you know, true. They, they're not playing at Anfield. If they were playing at Anfield, different story, I think, potentially. Uh, but also, City's schedule is easier, in my opinion, compared to Liverpool's, okay. at least in the league. Uh, also... City's depth is still better. Uh, I agree. That, that, that's, that, that's the other main argument. You know, Liverpool, I've said it once today, they struggled against Nottingham Forest with a lot of their first-choice players out. You know, uh, no Salah, no Mane, no Trent, no Robertson, uh, no Matip, no Thiago for the first half. You know, it was only when they started subbing on those, like, first-team players that they even started to look threatening in my opinion. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I, I still am not completely convinced by Liverpool because they rely on like one player more than any other team. I yeah. maybe, maybe Real Madrid come close to that, but, <laughs> maybe. uh, but Man City, you know, any of their players can yeah. have a good game. And if, you know, if one of them isn't, there is someone on the bench who is going yeah. to have a good game right behind them. Literally, so. you, you look at their attackers, Raheem Sterling, Mares, Grealish, Jesus, Foden. Take your pick of any three to start, and it's probably going to be fine, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. you start uh, Cancelo and Zinchenko. Oh, no, Cancelo's injured. Who do you put on? 
Kyle Walker, a perfectly fine uh, uh, fullback to replace him. Oh no, Ederson uh, has coronavirus like he did last season. Zach Steffen, who I think is the best backup goalkeeper in the Premier League, if, you know, at least in the top three for sure. Like, you, And then you have, in the midfield, Fernandinho, Silva, De Bruyne, Gundogan, Rodri, and then you have Cole Palmer, who has played pretty well in the limited uh, matches that he's been on. Like, it's a lot of depth. And yeah, that, that strength of schedule is absolutely correct. City have to play, what, Wolves, West Ham, Villa? That, yeah. Those are their, their three hardest? Okay, the rest are like, what? Watford, Brighton, I think Burnley, potentially. Burnley, okay, much easier teams to beat. Liverpool, who, who do who do they have to who do you have to play? They still have to play. Uh, well, City obviously they have to play Villa, Man United. Uh, okay. They have to play play a resurgent Newcastle at St James Park. You're right, which I think is still tough. They have to play Tottenham, who have been looking okay. Yes. Yeah, uh, Wolves as well, who also have been decent. Uh, but the the only like easy ish game I think in there is like Watford and maybe Everton. Depend. I mean, uh-huh. Everton are both are not doing that well. But the other ones all feel a little bit more precarious. Yeah, exactly. And that's why five thirty eight has City still winning sixty two percent to thirty eight percent Liverpool. So on paper it's close, but when you look at it a little bit deeper, unless Liverpool can pull out literally almost a perfect game plan city has all all of the space all the time to figure things out and get results i i will say there is one thing that could go city's way and it's the fact that the game against liverpool comes in between the two champions league legs and champions league city have a harder matchup than liverpool Mm -hmm. so it, it depends like you know if if they if city is like you know what? Screw the league. I I want the Champions League and focus all in on that. Then yeah, like may like maybe Liverpool win that and then they could win the league. But even then, City's second team blows Liverpool's out of the water. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I that might sound harsh, but I think it's just true. I I I think in pretty much every position, uh, City are just better with their all second right. choice players. All right, I like it. Both agree with who's going to win, but maybe we won't agree on these last couple of predictions as we wrap this episode up. We're going to talk about the UEFA World Cup qualifying uh, second round because, as you know, the first place team in all of the initial group stages for UEFA World Cup qualifying, they go on. Second place goes on to playoffs along with some other bonus qualifiers from the Nations League. It's really complicated. We don't go into that. All you need to know is that there are uh, 12 teams that are going to be in mini brackets. So a semifinal and final. Three of them. And only three teams will qualify for the World Cup. So in path A, in the semifinals, we have Wales versus Austria and Scotland versus Ukraine. The winners of those two matches obviously face off in the final and the winner will go on to you know the world cup in qatar in later this year obviously uh ukraine kind of a, a tough spot where they are the semifinal between scotland and ukraine will be played in june 
along with the final between the winner of Wales and Austria. So we won't know if we are correct until then, but we can at least predict how it's going to go and predict, obviously, the Wales and Austria game. So, Jack, who are your two semifinalist winners and who do you think will be qualifying towards the World Cup in Path A? For Wales versus Austria, I'm going to go for Wales in that one. Uh, might be a bit of a, a stranger one, but I, I do think that Wales is a quality team. And I, I think that they could get it done against Austria. Uh, I also believe Wales is hosting, which does help them a little bit. That is true. So uh, I'm going to go with Wales on that side. Scotland versus Ukraine. I'm going to say Ukraine win that one. Uh, I, I do think that Ukraine has better attacking players. I'll say, you know, Scotland has some good defending players like Robertson, for example, right? But Ukraine has some really, really good attackers. Yarmolenko's hit a good run of form recently. That's true. Uh, you've got Ruslan Malinovsky, who I think is one of the best creative mids in Serie A. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. I, I think they could they could get it done. Zinchenko as well, who plays yeah. as a left winger uh, for Ukraine, also a very Yarmshuk, good player. Yarmshuk for Yarmshuk, Benfica. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they've got a load of very, very, very good attacking players. So I, I, I would take Ukraine in that matchup. And in the final, we have male, Wales versus Ukraine. Who are you taking? I'm taking Ukraine for it as well. Uh, okay. I, I really like the look of the Ukrainian national team. Uh, I think they, are, they have a lot of talent, and I would love to see them compete at a World Cup. Uh, Wales does have a lot of talent as well, but I, I feel like between the two of them, I, I, I'd, go, I'd go with Ukraine to win it uh, okay. over a match. Yeah. All right. I will go for Wales versus Austria. I'm also going to go with Wales. It is very, very close. Probably one of the closer matches in uh, the second round. But the fact that it is going to be hosted in Cardiff makes it very, very tough. Scotland versus Ukraine. I will have to go for Scotland. Not okay. only is it hosted in Scotland, but let's not forget the fact that Ukraine is very dependent on their, depend their uh, domestic league. That's true. And their domestic yeah. league just so happens to be postponed, suspended, until who knows? And so a lot of their team, we mentioned pretty much 80% of their non-Ukrainian league players. So without match fitness and a lot of other things going on in their home country, I think, unfortunately, Scotland will win. So I would love to see Ukraine go against all the odds and win. So I will be cheering for them on, but Scotland, I'll, win, I'll have win. And suddenly it's uh, t two British countries going against each other, Scotland versus Wales. And I'm going to go with Scotland for this one, actually. Oh, I, think it's, okay. I think it's a more complete team. They have Robertson, True. Tierney, McGregor, McGinn, McTominay, Gilmore, Christie, Shea Adams. That's a, that's a good team. Ba uh, Bale can only you know, take him so far. He had a great Euro 2016, but it's definitely not the case anymore. So I'll go with Scotland. You'll go with Ukraine, so we have a nice disagreement there. Uh, we'll see what happens come June. Path B, Jack. It's Russia versus Poland. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Because of sanctions against Russia, Russia is not allowed to qualify or play in these Rightfully competitions so, in at my all. Opinion. <laughs> yeah. And so Poland gets the walkover. Maybe could have handled things a little bit differently. Maybe could have had a more fair way of doing it. But, you know, I'd like to believe Poland would have won anyways. And on the other side, we have in the semifinals, 
Sweden versus Czech Republic. So the winner of that will face Poland for a chance to make it to the World Cup. Jack, semifinals and final of Path B. Who is making it out? Uh, semifinal, it's tough because Sweden and Czech Republic in like the last 10 years have only played one match and they drew 1-1 in that match back in 2016, by the way. Uh, that being said, uh, the Czech Republic is going to be missing some important players. They're going to be missing Matej Vidra and uh, Vladimir Sufal, who are both out with injuries. And Sweden have a pretty solid team. I, I, I can't remember if their like, uh, team has been revealed yet, like who, who they're actually like bringing or yes. not. But yes. uh, either way, just knowing some of the players out there, you know, Anthony Alanga has been a bright spot for Manchester United Absolutely. this season. Alexander so Kulisevsky for yeah, uh, Kulisevsky. Uh, and Alexander Isak mm-hmm. uh, has been good. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I think he's still injured, so not happening probably. Uh, Emil uh, Forsberg. He got called up, oh, but he he's up. Uh, he, he's a suspended for, I believe, this first game. Right. So Emil Forsberg for uh, for RB Leipzig is very good. Emil Kraft has been decent for Newcastle as of late. Uh, so I, I think that Sweden, I, as much as I think it would be interesting to see the Czech Republic make it in, I think Sweden beat them in the mm-hmm. semifinal there. And in the final, Poland versus Sweden for you. I Spoiler alert, for the exact same reasons, I, I have Sweden in the final as well. Who do you think is going to make it to the World Cup? Uh, it's tough because we do, we do have a relatively recent game that these two played. They played in the Euros this summer. Yeah. Uh, and it was three to two in favor of Sweden with a very late uh, Victor Kleison goal. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I could see it going a similar way. I think Sweden probably beat Poland in this. Uh, I don't know. The, the Poland the Poland team is good, but is also quite old, <laughs> if, yeah. I, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, and Sweden... I don't know. They they look really exciting. They they uh and I I think that they could do very well and I'll I'm going to go with Sweden for it. I ultimately did go for uh Sweden. Keep in mind this match will be played in Poland. And Poland they they do have a lot of key old players, but they still have a lot of players that can get it done. Obviously, mm-hmm. Lewandowski, yep. blah, 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 blah. He's a, a great player, whatever. Schnezny, I know, is on great form this season. Still, in terms of national team goalkeepers, is still very good. Then you have uh, Matty Cash and Bednarak in, in defense. And in the midfield, Zielinski for Napoli, a very good player. In the attack, you have, of course, our two favorite MLS players, Adam Buxa and Carol Swiderski for New England and Charlotte FC. Both, obviously, play very well. Swiderski playing well for Charlotte FC. A Piatek for a Fiorentina as well. So it's not like they're, they're a bunch of bums, right? right <laughs> they're still right. good. So I think it's going to be a very even match. But I think Sweden just barely will make it through. Kind of like in the Euros, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's going to be hard because Poland is not an easy place to play. They, they have a, a great atmosphere. So... It, it, it might it might come down to penalties, I believe, is is how they'll decide things. If it's yeah, yeah, up. that that given that's how they did it for Euro qualification, I'd imagine it's the same yeah. thing. All right, Jack Path C, the path of death, <laughs> some might say. 
very, very tough to see uh, the, the other two teams come out of this, but it's Portugal versus Turkey, hosted in Portugal, and Italy versus North Macedonia, hosted in Pal- Palermo. And yeah. the final will be hosted in either Porto or Acanya. Kanya, of course, as everybody knows, is a, is a city in Turkey. I just had to look that up. <laughs> All right, Jack. This is a tough one. Path C. Portugal and Turkey, they kind of got uh, screwed out. Portugal fumbled the bag against Serbia. Uh, Italy choked against the Swiss, so they're here. You wouldn't expect them. Portugal, who won Euro 2016. Italy, who won 2020. Portugal, who has uh, uh, the likes of Ronaldo. And Italy, who holds the record for the longest undefeated streak. Here they sit on the verge of not qualifying for the biggest tournament in the world. Who are you taking to win the semifinals and the final? For Portugal versus Turkey, I've learned my lesson from the Euros in rating Turkey highly. Uh, I'm going with Portugal. Watch now, Turkey are going to be really good suddenly, and they're and they're going to they're going to upset Portugal somehow. But I, right. I think Portugal should should win that matchup. Uh, Italy versus North Macedonia. Italy should win that matchup as well. Uh, North Macedonia, yes, they've they've had some really good upsets in in other matches. You know, uh, they beat they had that really good upset against Germany in World Cup qualifying that was. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Uh, but then again, at the Euros, they, they fell pretty flat uh, against the opposition they were playing against. And Italy, I think they I think they should be able to beat North Macedonia. But then again, we said, we said the same thing about Northern Ireland and Switzerland, and we got it wrong on both yeah. of those. So uh, who, who knows, really? But I'm, I'm going to go with Italy and Portugal for the two in the semifinal. Okay, and before you get to the final... To give my take on it, pretty much the exact same thing, especially because it is going to be hosted in Portugal and in Italy. I I, I really think that if they do lose, that's going to be like the story of the year in terms of like international football up oh, until yeah. the World Cup, because these are two powerhouses and Turkey, they have had their struggles. They lost six to one to the Netherlands in World Cup qualifying or whatever it was and north macedonia great team still north macedonia so jack portugal versus italy hosted if portugal win in porto who is winning this i'm gonna say italy win it uh i still think that they should have the quality to control that game portugal have a lot of talent yes but i also think that I, I think that Italy should be able to beat them in in a, in a one-off game. Uh, okay. I'm not sure really what to base that off of other than just a gut feeling. I know. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it, it also might be, uh, I would love it if Ronaldo missed the World Cup. Yes. That would be hilarious in my opinion, but... Uh, that is a big part, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I, I also think Italy just seem like a very good team. All right, all right. I am also going to go with Italy. I, w- I went through uh, their their lineup. A lot of good names. Some players that I would like to see more. Uh, Atalanta's Zappacosta. Zappacosta. Zappacosta, yeah. Back in. Uh, I, I, I think it has good. I, I think 
uh, screw it. Get uh, Mario Balotelli in there, you know? <laughs> nah, but uh, like seriously, they're missing some players due to injury or otherwise. Chiesa is going to be a huge, huge miss. Uh, missing some other players uh, as well. Uh, Toloi. Yeah, Toloi you know, is still out. He's yeah. definitely a player that, that, that I think should have been called up. But then you look at Portugal, and again, a lot of good players. Liao, Jota, Felix, Ronaldo, Ruben Neves of Wolves, Bruno Fernandes, who, you know, has had a, an off month, but still very good. Bilva, you know, a lot of really great players. However, there's one thing, and longtime listeners of the podcast will know the one thing that I've always harped on Portugal. It's Santos, their yep, manager. Yep. I feel like every... I predicted I predicted it would go badly in the Euros. I predicted that it's going to go badly in World Cup qualifying, and every single time I've been proven right. I I like this Portugal team. I don't like Portugal. I like this team. <laughs> it has a team that is fully capable of being contenders for the World Cup, but Santos is just nervous in his approach. It, it's just weirdly defensive, weirdly conservative, and it doesn't get the most out of Ronaldo out of a lot of their attacking talents in uh, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandez, uh, uh, Moutinho, all these players. And I, th- I think it's a shame. And I think Italy are going to win because Santos just makes Portugal play worse than they are. And so there you have it. Those are our predictions for World Cup qualifiers out of uh, UEFA. So we have for Jack, Ukraine, Sweden, Italy, and I have Italy, Sweden, Scotland. Sweet. Well, Jack, we'll see how wrong we are when uh, it ends up that Russia somehow no, make it no, in. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like WWE, or it's like, oh my gosh, it's it's Russia's music, and they just come out of like my god. Out of Actually, no, it can't like, be Russia's music because if they were allowed to play, they can't use any any of their music. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right, Jack. Well, that is it for this episode. Where can people find us on social media to shout at us for our El Clasico takes or our World Cup qualifying takes? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Final Third Show. Uh, tweet a lot on there. Uh, sometimes really incorrect takes. Sometimes just uh, just memes for uh, to be funny. You know why not? Uh, it's why not? it's a it's a it's a good time on there. You're gonna want to follow us. And also an additional shout out. Watch. Minneapolis City versus Des Moines Menace yes, on ESPN Plus or in person uh, at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee if you're able to make it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. FinalThirdShow.com as well for all of our social medias and listening platforms that we're on. Speaking of listening platforms, do leave a rating and a review if you enjoy the show. As always, as always, tell your friend about the show. I'm sure they'd love to hear about our takes on the Champions League draw. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he would love to hear about our El Clasico takes on how Barcelona are finally back, maybe, question mark. We'll see you guys this Thursday or Wednesday night, depending on when I upload it, uh, for our U.S. men's national team. Very quick, deep dive into this window. And we'll see you guys same same time, same place, for next week's News and Predictions episode. See ya. Bye for now.